and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis Fitz. Why am I always second, by the way? I don't know. I just, I always just go in, don't I? Well, you know I am by now because there's my answer. My coach Benji Whoa. with his monster. There it is. Now we kick like, off. Now we kick off. I feel off. like everyone can hear that. Today's podcast is all about why we train. Now, that is a broad topic because we are going to speak about so many different elements within this, such as our personal experience, the history of health and fitness, our personal sporting backgrounds, the ethos behind why we do what we do, why we created the My Coach School, and of course, different training. So, you've got strength, hypertrophy, home training, obviously we're going to be talking about those elements today and something else that I quickly wanted to touch on in this podcast is yesterday on Instagram we saw something that really pissed us off to put it lightly there was a celebrity who posted something on Instagram about a skinny jab and what a skinny jab does is supposedly suppresses your appetite and puts you on a thousand calories a day this person has 1.8 million followers and she's a woman so she's sharing it to younger girls and women to jab yourself to lose weight and it's Gemma Collins by the way just gonna put it in there yeah what a fucking idiot it's awful because the comments on her posts, for one, are, are everyone's just like, why are you doing this? We respect you as a person. You're a celebrity. You are an educated woman. What the hell are you doing? Obviously, myself and Ben both commented saying this is absolutely ridiculous. We tagged the company because I think it's so disgusting how a company can promote a weight loss jab when they're, when they're making people eat a thousand calories. So they're in a ridiculous deficit anyway, which we wouldn't even recommend. And then just to jab yourself for no reason, it, it's it's just mind-blowing. It's it's mind-blowing. And I just wanted to say that because, quite frankly, any of our listeners, we want you to know it's absolute bullshit, basically. I think um, the thing that's the weirdest thing is that Gemma Collins talks about herself as in body positivity and um, be yourself and not about your weight and beautiful on the inside. But then she's promoting this bullshit of skinny jabs. The other thing is that I know for a lot of people, they won't see this, but it's how much of an imp... Like, you've already had, had a message, haven't you, this morning off a girl who's already tried it. Yeah, and she said she had the worst side effects and her boss had tried it. She had to take time off work because she was so ill. So think about and how I'm many just... females are actually going to try it. Think about how many girls have already tried something and failed so now they go oh fuck it I'll just jab something into myself think about how many things now in the world that is good that how many problems are going to be solved via either a pill or an injection like for guys they want to get bigger they'll take steroids if girls want to get bigger lips they'll take fillers take them <laughs> yeah you fill, inject fillers into inject your face don't you? you inject whatever that other shit is Botox whatever into your forehead because you want to look like a plastic doll. I don't know. There's injections for everything to solve every single problem. And no one wants to work at anything anymore. Are you right? I'll move me there all the time. Sorry, I couldn't get in. I felt really, I felt really far Jesus. away from my... Uh, it's like, my... you know, when you're sitting next to someone on a plane and every single movement you feel... It's me. That's Lucy Davis. It's me. And there's, there's just, there's just shortcuts to everything. No one wants to work for anything anymore. Everyone just wants it easy. And the thing is, it never comes easy because anything that's worth, worth having takes effort and people forget why the process is so important so please 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 do not buy these skinny bullshit jabs don't buy into it because the thing is i even commented on Gemma collins post this morning and said i don't just blame you I obviously blame the company that was obviously paying your fortune however to they've it. got legislation for it as they well. there's there's obviously a massively underregulated and um, part of the fitness industry just, just doesn't pick up on this and then there's, there's a fact of she's probably been approached by this company and said that it'll do this, this and this. And she's been given a script which she's obviously read off because I looked at a story this morning and it's just a whole load of tripe and waffle. How many people are going to take these, by the way, and fuck the injections up as well? That's what I think. I think it's really, it's, it, it's really irresponsible of a company to send out injections to people. They don't know how young these people are who could order these things. Inject themselves 
without knowing how, eat a thousand calories and end up in hospital. Yeah. We're, well, I'm going on a mission to get this company banned from Instagram anyway. <laughs> I think they've already blocked me because I've yeah. tagged them in something. The, the thing that but, they can do is they can inject those fucking skinny jabs straight up their arse. That's, yeah. that's, the, best, that's the best thing they can do with them. And I, I guarantee it won't be long until it's banned anyway. Yeah, Even like, the other, like the other fats. What else was there? Herbalife, mm. skinny tea, the laxative things. Crazy. But we just wanted to touch on that anyway before we dive into the podcast. Rant over. Rant over. So I think... Firstly, we're going to talk about our experience. Now, our experience in sports, both for myself and Ben, is from a super young age. I'm talking for me personally. I was the most outdoorsy kid because of my dad. He's literally like James Bond. We did everything. I started climbing when I was four, surfing, skiing, swimming, gymnastics a lot. I was that sporty kid. So I kind of grew up in sport. You don't know, sports that no one else did, I feel like. Yeah, that's that's Clive though, isn't it? That's that's my dad introducing to me that to those sports when I was young and I'm so grateful for that. And I've had the most amazing opportunities doing all these different sports. And then I was a I was a full time swimmer. I was a competitive British swimmer from the ages of I started swimming when I was ten, but competitively fourteen <laughs> till I was eighteen. <laughs> what are you laughing at now? <laughs> I was just thinking how childhood couldn't have been any different. Like, I can't swim, I just sink. Yeah. And my idea of sport is I'd be in the the front of my house kicking a football and play Kirby with me. Yeah. Well, we had, okay, I say we had similar sporting backgrounds. I meant we were both very mm. into sport. So mine was to the very highest level extent for a 14 to 18-year-old girl I've spoken about this on my YouTube before about we had body fats done every week. We were weighed before and after every session. I was watched what I was eating from the age of 14. So I've always been very regimented in sport and it's probably taken me in the last two and a half years to get over eating disorders and to be happy where I am now training. It's so different than when I swam but I'm in a, a really happy place. Yeah, my, my experience is uh, vastly different from that. I, <laughs> I, um, to be fair, Ben actually can swim. We did lessons last year and he don't, did don't lengths. Don't lie to people, I can't swim. He did lengths. When, when did I do lengths? You did a length. But length. <laughs> Singular. <Yeah. laughs> um, but I, I was one of those kids who played a lot of, like I suppose, the traditional sports that a guy would play. Football, rugby, I played cricket for a while. Golf? Played golf, played tennis. I, I played any like ball games where hand-eye coordination was heavily involved. And then it slowly whittled down. I was so the opposite, you know. I was scared yeah. of tennis and I used to get stuck. Stuff. I used to play a, a, a rugby match in the morning at 9am. And then my dad would drive me straight to my football match at 11am, just full of shit. And then I'd play, play four hours worth of sport on a Saturday morning. Wow, check you out. Fit as a fiddle, mate. Yeah. Um, and then I slowly whittled down and just played rugby and football. I was actually better at rugby than I was at football. I actually got told to, to carry on playing rugby, but it got to a position in my life where I had to choose and I ended up playing football. And then it got to a point where I was very good, pretty good. I was, I was being you were wa- really good, I was don't being be so modest. By a local team called Tramia, where they kind of put you on like a six week kind of like semi trial thing where you watched. Uh, and then during the second or third week, Snap the table in half, and that was the end of that. And that's when I really got into the gym. So there's, there's my wild sporting. So background. how old were you when you actually? I know this answer, but I know our our listeners won't know how old you were when you got into the gym. I was I was burnt, broke my leg, so I must have been fifth. Well, I started training before that, but like I was kind of what I'll talk about shortly in this podcast. I was one of those people who was just going to exercise. I was kind of winging it and just walking around the gym, trying different stuff. Um. But when I properly got into training, that was when I was 16, when I broke my leg. So I was going to the gym with a cast on and a broken leg. And that's when I really started taking it seriously because I didn't have sport anymore for kind of that three to six month period when I broke my tibula. I started then getting a lot more into my program, my training, building up a body up. And then I started obviously when the cast came off, building my right leg up. And that's when I really got into training and started using the gym um, as my hobby, my sport, and then obviously developed into 
into my career. But I just used to love going in with my mates and throwing some weights around and getting on the bench press. You know, like guys do like a bit of a bro session, get a bit of a pump on. And then I go and, although I don't do it anymore, I go and get like a sunbed and stuff. And yeah, <laughs> and the whole, it was like that whole era. Do you remember GTL? Didn't do that as a woman, person. Do you remember GTL though? No. Gym Town Laundry. I think I was probably oh too God. young for this. Do you not remember um, Jersey Shore? I never watched it. Paulie D? No. It was like the first, you know when they brought all this other shite out like Geordie Shore and the all other crap in Wales? Jersey Shore was like the, the OG that was on MTV. And it was unbelievable. Like GTL was a thing, so gym town laundry. I think I'm just, <laughs> yeah, never not a clue. I think we get asked this question a lot actually, like what age is the right age to start going to the gym? And I think it's very personal to each person. So I first started I was put in a gym environment when I was I think I'd literally just turned 14, 15 as a as an athlete though. So I actually had a strength and conditioning coach doing all my programming and everything was replicated from the gym to the pool to make me a better swimmer and when I was 18 when I actually quit swimming that's when I actually started going to the gym myself and I I really struggled the the, the faster cardio the cardio in the morning weights at night I'd go like eight eight times a week seven days a week seven days a week Lucy and I think when we get asked this question we obviously you have to be developed as an individual before you actually go into weight training because you're still growing. But I would say like 14, 15, 16, depending on where you are, what's your sporting background, it will be different for everyone. I never think there's a definite answer to that question. But I think Ben has a little bit to talk about, about the history of health and fitness. I thought you were actually going to say that you used to go to the gym eight times a day. I was going to say you are a warrior. No, but not do you know what I actually used to do when I first started going to the gym? No joke. <laughs> I'd go in because I don't know, it must have been the summer holidays at schools. And I'd go in and I'd, I'd batter the shit out of arms for like a good two hours. And I mean, I'd spend two hours. And then I'd walk to the Asda with my mate. I'd grab a pack of that. You know, when you get four pieces of chicken wings for two pounds in, in Asda? No. Well, that's what you did. <laughs> and then I'd get a milkshake as well, swallow that down in about an hour. And then I'd go back into the gym for another two hours. It'd just be a day sesh, eating chicken and doing curls. Doesn't sound very fun. Well, it was. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, Ben is going to talk to you a little bit about the history of health and fitness. And I'm just going to let him dive in. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to bore people too much. With, I'm, I'm not He's just giving teacher. you a bit of background. I'm just give you a background of where fit, fitness kind of first started. And it, I suppose how what the whole point of this podcast is, how fitness, exercise, training has changed over the years. And when we go back to the primal times of when we used to move for life, so for example, like survival of the fittest, you know, lift lift rocks, trees, climb, jump, hunt. This is where we were training for everyday purpose, which I think a lot less people will be doing now. Obviously, CrossFit is kind of geared towards that. Calisthenics is kind of geared towards that a little bit in in regards to making you prime for everyday life. Some of the things that I don't believe in, like people, you, you often see people comment this on like social media is, and you see people put pictures up of like a bodybuilder next to like a boxer. And like who win the fight? Like why aren't you training for... Um, if you've got jumped, or why aren't you training for like, well, I don't know, you know, the stupid things to make comparisons. You don't, you don't need to train. We're not trying to, we're not in a society anymore where you're running from dinosaurs. It's not even a thing. <laughs> mammoths, where mammoths. You, where you're running from tigers and lions and stuff. <laughs> you don't need to be a dick and train to be the hardest. You can train however you want to train. It's not training for survival anymore because generally most of the time in society nowadays, it's the most intelligent who will, who will survive. Um, then we moved into, I can't even say this word. The Neolithic know? times. The Neolithic times, which was the crop culture. So man's transition from nom- nomadic hunter-gatherer nomadic. to farmer. Which th- this then led to a vast change in fitness. So if you can imagine when we went to this, this crop culture era, basically was swinging an axe all day and cutting down crops. So it was a, a very repetitive tasks day in day out mm, so basically labor. yeah both basically most of the time the guys would probably look like hellboy some big massive right arm <laughs> which has been swinging this, this axe all day so people you would though the 
but what's interesting is if you do have a look at it, the way that the composition changed over the years, depending on that era that we were in. Mm. And then we moved into a change, which was um, ancient times, where this is really where kind of fitness started to grow. And this was through um, the Romans and the Greeks, because obviously they're preparing for war. Mm-hmm. And just slightly after that, eventually we moved into where the Greeks created the, the Olympic, Olympic Games. Games. That was in Athens, wasn't it? it Their was first. Indeed. And I've watched so many films on this because I was so interested. Like we've watched Gladiator, that one with Alexander the Great in. They're actually really fantastic films to watch if you are interested in a bit of history. And the hundred, hundred and one. Uh, Three hundred, babe. Oh, I was really oh, close. Jesus. 300 um but yeah that that's an example of how, of how <laughs> if you look so at 300 and i highly dealt with that jacked but that is a uh, a highlight of how the romans and how people started to train for war and started to train to be stronger to be fitter rather than just to survive but then we moved slightly on into like the 19th 18th century where gymnastics was really becoming big um calisthenics was becoming big in the states and people started to train for enjoyment and building the body up for different purposes again. And then obviously we moved into kind of modern day fitness, the 20th century. And this is where the birth of muscle competitions came in in 1903. And then obviously the rise of the bodybuilding era. Arnold kind of really kicked this off, didn't he, with um, his role within the fitness industry, which is huge, by the way, whether you like him, love him, hate him, whatever it is, he really helped yeah he did i think he really helped bring that he brought, exposed it he exposed it and he brought out personality because at the time a lot of them a lot of bodybuilders were seen as circus freaks and weirdos and kind of side acts and kind of i suppose the typical meathead who doesn't have a personality yeah well 100 percent. yeah i agree and that's where you've seen pump and iron haven't you yeah we watched it together have you seen all of them think so uh if you haven't seen pompadour i would recommend watching that was really where bodybuilding started to be exposed and arnold really kind of came to light and then he brought out like generation Eye and stuff but you can't beat the original now the fitness industry today is a lot more uh, i suppose aware of why health and fitness is so important like as we go back in time it was more so for survival it was more so for um war it was more so for just general fitness to keep alive mm-hmm. and to keep moving and for everyday uses whereas now we're a lot more aware of our health and fitness as technology has evolved we have a lot more access well probably more access than ever and at a, a lower price than ever a more reasonable price to be involved in health and fitness but we're probably at a worse place than ever in regards to the population to obesity and health and fitness, especially in the UK, because I remember on the, the podcast the other week when we were speaking about um, the UK population in regard to the, the percentage of adults that are obese. Yeah, the podcast we did was in relation to COVID. COVID-19 as well. And there's a lot of research actually that's come out since we did that podcast about the positive correlation between if you are obese and actually picking up COVID-19, which was really interesting to see after we'd done the podcast. Yeah, all, and again, although there is a now a mass um, opportunity for gyms, for training, for information online, there's still so much miseducation and miscommunication about what you need to achieve certain things. So, for example, the common view of how to exercise is that you need machines for cardio and to build muscle and strength. Um, you just need to lift a barbell and do chaos look good and maybe add a bit of stretching in the mix every now and then when you feel about it so throwing a couple of supplements and vitamins on top of that and you're fit and healthy whereas a lot of people will often see exercise as more of a chore now and not a pleasure it's something yeah. people have to force themselves to do not a natural thing which I suppose is a process throughout history Yeah, I think what's important there as well is fitness and going to the gym falls into the category of sports. Now, my parents don't go to the gym. My dad does actually, but they don't really lift weights like myself and Ben do. But they ride 60 to 70 to 100 kilometers a day and they really enjoy it. They don't feel forced to have to go and do that exercise. 
And what Ben said said there before about the fitness industry is overwhelming. I feel like this is predominantly due to social media. Now, social media has grown significantly in the past two, three years. When I first popped myself on Instagram, which is probably, I'd say, three years ago now properly. You popped yourself on. Popped myself on. It wasn't really a thing. Like, being an influencer and being a fitness influencer specifically wasn't really a thing. Now, if you compare that to now, it is very saturated so hence the saturation becomes the confusion of I know as a woman a couple of years ago there was information but it wasn't as scary because there wasn't too much to choose from yeah Yeah, I think that is one of the one of the things you just touched on then by the way is so important because when you were first getting into it I feel it was it was was, wasn't too saturated at all no and I love seeing females lift lift heavy who's strong, sexy, and I know you're doing a front double bicep there, but genuinely, <laughs> I know I take the piss a lot of the time, but I actually did slide into Lucy's DMs about three or four years ago. Yes, because you. I saw your profile, and I was like, wow, there she, she, there is, she is. <laughs> she's a strong, sexy female who lifts and proud and confident of it. And that's no joke why I first DMed you, because I, I love that about the fitness industry. I love seeing females who are like that and like who like expressing that and don't give a shit what guys think or what their perception is of it. Yeah, massive. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, massively, that. though, I am a massive advocate of empowering women. And the other day, I did the US Navy SEALs test and passed it. And there was a lot of men on there commenting saying she didn't do it, she cheated, she can't do that. I'm a massive advocate for women in sport and women in fitness, and I always will be. I want to be that voice because I know I struggled a lot at the start with criticism and being a woman in a sporting environment. And it was only, I think, when I met Ben, and we actually started the business together, I'm talking like two and a half, two years ago now, where he introduced me to his ethos. Now, his ethos, and it's now our ethos, it's the whole My Coach School's ethos as well, is where you have performance, health, and aesthetics. Now, these are your three drivers. I just used to be aesthetics driven, which means I was very egotistical. I only cared what I looked like in the mirror and it and it's all I could focus on. My goals were based around my aesthetics. I didn't really care what I could lift or how heavy and my health was actually very affected because I wasn't really eating anything. So when I met Ben and he explained to me his ethos and why he trains the way he trains he actually did quite a lot of crossfit when I met him which is the performance side but it completely changed my perspective on training rather than just being like I want to be shredded all the time and I don't really care about what I'm eating I was on like 1200 calories and I didn't care what I could lift in the gym when I switched this mindset I got hella strong because I was focusing on performance, my health improved drastically because I was actually eating more calories and I'd got away from my eating disorder. And the aesthetics come hand in hand with your performance and your health. But I've never actually really thanked you for that, but that completely changed my perspective. Wow, there's a turn into a bit of a therapy session. That completely changed my perspective on health and fitness though. I think, I feel like I've kind of gone through different, eras and I feel like everyone does everyone's goals are different everyone's goals change over a period of time and obviously everyone when they first get into the gym they go to the gym like do you know what I just want to fucking look good naked I want to get up in the morning see myself naked and feel do you know what mm-hmm. I look good today but that comes as a part of the process as well because like I spoke about before you can't obviously a lot of people will see themselves as point A, they'll see themselves wanting to get to point B and they'll see this process in between, whereas they'll they won't be happy until they get there. Mm-hmm. Whereas once you start enjoying the process and you see those small incremental changes, you get up in the, and see yourself in the mirror anyway and think, Do you know what? I look fucking good today. And I think that is an important part of it still because it gives you an instant sense yeah. of satisfaction, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you are focused on. And I've gone through different points where I've First started training for aesthetics only, and then I did a, a bodybuilding show, hated it, and then I started doing CrossFit for like 12 months, which is kind of where I started, um, we started talking, mm-hmm. and then I kind of got into something called functional bodybuilding, so I do a little bit of both, through some circuit stuff, 
and some traditional bodybuilding. And then you just start to get a grasp for what you really enjoy doing. So now we do a bit of a mix of training. We do quite a lot of running. We do some wads on like a Wednesday, Sunday. And then I'll do some traditional kind of, I suppose, like bro training on the other days. But that's the whole point of, of what our ethos is now, is to lift heavy, enjoy it, and look good naked. Yeah, you couldn't have put it any better. And this is why we created the My Coach School like we did. So the My Coach School is our online coaching platform. It is our subscription business. And Facebook have actually said to us, it is the health and fitness version of Netflix, which is obviously a huge compliment. And it does describe it really well. When we created the school, we didn't just want to create workout videos or we didn't just want to create recipes. We wanted to make it very personal and still fit in with our ethos of helping your performance, helping your health, and then also hand in hand becomes the aesthetics. Now, with the workout section on the My Coach School, there are hundreds of workouts. There are full VIP trainers focusing on progressive overload, focusing on strength, focusing on building your glutes, X, Y, and Z. And they're proper programs. So you go through different phases and different stages. With the workouts, rather than just being like an Instagram workout where you could just watch it with music, we actually give you cues and we talk through all the exercises with you because we thought this was an important element behind your training and your performance. So if you if you know exactly what you're doing in the gym, you know how to perform an exercise, your overall performance is actually going to improve, mm-hmm. which means your strength is going to improve. We made sure that we introduced a metric section so you can actually track every single lift you're doing, your reps, your sets, how you're feeling. It creates a pretty damn graph. I love graphs. And you can see your progress. So it completely brings in that side. And the health side, we have a whole learn section. So educate yourself, whether it's on diabetes, eating disorders, pre and postnatal nutrition, fat loss. And I think this always drives us forward because we have three elements. There's always three elements within our training. There's always three elements within our coaching school. And we know this has been completely beneficial to our members as well. And yeah, it it's it's truly been in- incredible. Yeah, I think um, that goes obviously into the next point because as we always say, and like we spoke about recently is that habits are so important to following through with a program and what gets logged gets improved mm-hmm. so and this is where we're going to talk about the difference between exercise and training because when you are training you're following a program you're logging your progress you're measuring things you're making for sure that you're progressively overloading and this is the whole point of the school it's to progressively overload and to make improvements whether that's with your weight, whether that's with composition, whether that's with your PBs, no matter what it might be. And it allows people to learn, track, and create habits through training. And that's why, as Lucy was talking about, we have areas on there for members to track each individual workout and input what they've done for that session. So they're thinking more about the training than ever before, rather than just going in and going, oh, fuck it today, I'll just do some bicep oh, yeah. curls well, and then I'll go and do some sit-ups. Like, exactly, and it's it's building that habit within your training to start logging things, to start enjoying it, to see your lifts going up and then have the positive reinforcement to that feeling of, of, of hitting a PB. And another thing that we often put on there, we're not, we just finished one at the moment two weeks ago and, oh my God, I always call her by her Instagram name instead of rattle name um the our past winner oh rose yeah rose. i was called gingy yeah. that's, her. that's her name yeah gingy jim um, on insta won our previous challenge the home challenge and we're going to be launching another challenge when the gyms reopen but again these are positive reinforcers so the challenges that we run are generally eight week challenges where we'll have a bit of a friendly competition we'll open up an enrollment and then we'll set a program for people to follow for eight weeks. And then we'll have a check-in every single week. We'll have a bit of a live in the group, a bit of a laugh. And everyone's supportive of each other. And I think this is so important, which is the element of community as well, mm-hmm. which is what really pushes everyone together and keeps people accountable. Because community is everything. And making friends and partners to learn from and push each other to do more helps reach your end potential. 
and go a lot more than rather than you just being miserable by going through things on your own. Like the days of the the dungeon, getting into the grind, balls to the walls, I've I've gone. And I feel like the community element, the health and fitness, is what's really helping people flourish and succeed. Yeah, definitely. And I think it even helps me and Ben with our community as well because just before the gyms closed we were amidst of a strength phase and we just finished a six-week block where we have a deload at week four and we've, we've gone into our second one now the strength phase we tracked everything on the school it was so easy to follow we did all your basic staple exercises I think I ended up being at 70 kilogram bench or 71 which went up by about 10 and then we went on to I did hip thrusts got to a 210 and then oh god what else we do squats 110 deadlifts 110 all because we had a method of training to follow so like Ben was saying before when you've got something to follow that is an incentive that's enjoyable that you can track rather than just being like oh I can't remember what I lifted last week I'm gonna go in I'm just gonna do this this and this and you're gonna go away not feeling very satisfied but I think when you have something so specific and enjoyable to follow it massively massively helps you actually enjoy the process and enjoy your training and like Ben says what was that that you with the methods you always learn a method and it becomes a practice learn the method and master the practice that's the one that's the one so yeah we were doing a strength phase just for gym shot and I think it was one of the, the times where I've enjoyed training most over the past couple of years because last year I got massively stuck and caught up in a phase where I was just trying to bring down my body fat and I got in a position where mm-hmm. It was fucking boring. Yeah. I was just, I was focused solely bit on mis- that. Bit miserable. Yeah, it's just boring. It's, it's fucking boring. Like, loads of people are going to be leaning on you. Loads of people are probably going to look better and have better abs than you. It's just fucking part of life. And when you keep making those comparisons, you're always going to be unhappy. But when you hit a new deadlift PB or a new squat PB, it's fucking awesome, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel after you hit a fucking new PB? Unreal absolutely unbelievable so this is why we always push for this and this is why i love seeing females hip thrust heavy this is why i love seeing the guys get big lifts on the deadlifts like it just feels good and it feels like you're making progress and me and lucy were following a program that i set up on the market school which was a um a kind of a blend bes- between like powerlifting and bodybuilding so beginners can do it intermediates can do it it's just a fun program to start developing your lifts and really introducing percentage work into your training and starting to be a bit more measurable taking things a step further and stopping just going into the gym and, and basically winging it mm-hmm. and this is kind of the topic that we want to move into next and it's the, dif- the difference between training and exercise so for me Exercise is what you do when you want to get hot, sweaty and tired. You elevate your heart rate, feel good, feel accomplished. Sometimes people take this a step further and will use it as a social excuse. So how many times do you go to like, for example, Total Fitness and Betty and Sue on the treadmill, let's walk for a fucking hour, sweat towel over the shoulders, We'll either talk or we'll watch a YouTube video or read a book. Yeah, a lot of people, I think... I I do understand where it's... I think as a woman as well, it's nice to go to the gym with people and know people when you're there. But when it turns into just like a bitching social session, don't do it at the gym. You're not going to get anything out of it and you're not going to be that satisfied by coming away after your little And why the fuck would you want to walk for an hour on a treadmill? Why wouldn't you just walk outside? Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, I get it sometimes when people do maybe a walk a following train to bring the heart rate down or for whatever reason to do a bit of cardio, but why would you get in your car, drive to the gym, park up, walk into the gym to walk? Yeah, and what you briefly mentioned before is about the burning calorie side of the equation mm-hmm. where and I, I'm, I've been guilty of this before where you simply focus on how many calories you can burn in a session rather than the session itself. So 
you're constantly looking at your Fitbit or your tracker or whatever it is and you're getting more and more annoyed because you've not burned or sweated enough as you like which completely takes away the focus of the session if you're just looking at the calories on your watch and thinking how much you've sweated and if you don't sweat you think you've had a bad session that's where you need to take a step back and readjust your mindset because it's not about how much you can sweat that's just a physical thing that happens some people don't sweat at all so and some people sweat buckets I myself will can go for a walk and I will sweat it just depends on different people yeah and this is what sometimes annoys me though because again it comes back to that miseducation and communication from hashtag fitfluencers who are pushing shite down people's throats <laughs> and the, the insanity jockeys who push people to sweat and sexy rather than lift and learn which is what we're trying to push people to do and that is something that i'll always stand behind it's like oh, there's a guy um it's back when uh, we went to total fitness a couple of times and he just got off the treadmill i remember speaking to him i was like fucking hell you've you've gone for it there mate and like he got off and he's pissed wet, wet through he's been sprinting and he's like oh no mate i fucking hate running now I was like, well, why are you doing it then? He was like, well, I, just, I, wanna, I need to burn like, so whatever calories and um, I need to do this, this and this. I was like, but you, you you come in and do it every day and you hate it? And he was like, yeah. I was like, well, what is the goal? I was like, do you want to be the next Usain Bolt? And he was like, no. I was like, well, stop fucking punishing yourself to sprint every day. Do something that you actually enjoy doing. Like, you can do something, you can burn through calories doing something that you genuinely enjoy, like doing a circuit or, or lifting. And this is where just burning through calories and this kind of approach is not a long-term commitment to solving a problem. You're just going in and you exercise and this is where you'll wing it. And for a lot of people, I understand because when you first get into the gym, you are winging it and you're just going in to exercise. Um, But when we look at this and when we look at fitness, is it a solid idea to base off what we expended rather than going in and lifting is demonizing ourselves with the boundaries of hitting calories every single day going to be healthy long term and basing how we feel on the achievements that popped up on the apple watch and don't get me wrong we use apple watch a lot don't we yeah but you shouldn't be basing your soul happiness of it like how many steps you've done i think steps is a great measure by the way and that's why we use it on the school but don't kick yourself in the dick if you don't hit 10k steps one day yeah I agree massively and that's what we said before it's just about it's a great tool I think using a Fitbit a tracker an Apple watch like Ben said we use them all the time we think they're fantastic as a tool to add into your collection of your toolbox that's quite a good analogy Mm -hmm. it's part of your toolbox of your health and fitness journey just as if you're on a fat loss journey your calorie deficit is important to your toolbox or if you're building muscle your protein is an important Mm -hmm. part of your toolbox so it's just adding things that you can build into your toolbox that is going to make you uh, enjoy the process and essentially mm-hmm. ch- change your life yeah and it's it's that question of okay well you're you, you there might be a lot of um newbie listeners listening to the podcast and wanting to better themselves so how how do you get better is it better at this how do you move from being a newbie from simply exercising to training how how do you get better at winging it and yes there is an element of newbie gains because when you first start going to the gym like with and if, like with having sex, when you first start having sex, like, oh, I'll just wing it. It's true. So, and you'll naturally start to get, get better because you're shit at the start. But through experience, you will get better quickly. But then you'll meet your one true love and she'll find out at the end of the Bonjour. day, you're a fraud. <laughs> so you need to better educate yourself. And I know that is difficult with a lot of shite that is online. And I know it's, it's, it's often easy to believe what some people tell you or you look at someone and be like oh they're shredded so they must know what they're thinking about no bullshit I've just seen a a post online of another person who's launched an app because they've got a million followers and they're lean like that that type of thing it's that's why the fitness industry is so annoying yeah it's because people will get in shape and go oh no I'll be a fucking PT or I'll I'll launch an app and the wrong way around it doesn't mean it doesn't mean they know how to be a coach they just got in shape themselves and it's like if um a for example this is a, a probably a, a bit of a 
harsh reality to use it, but if a, for example, my mum had cancer a couple of years ago, yeah, mm-hmm. and thank God she overcame it, but then someone who is looking to overcome cancer wouldn't then go to my mum and ask for help, they'd go to the, to the doctor who helped her cure her. Yeah. You don't go to people just because they're in shape. Do you see what the time? Yeah, no, I, I I understand completely. You need you need to go to the person who is qualified to do that, like the doctor or like the surgeon. Just because people experience something doesn't mean that they know how to help you or know how to coach you. Yeah, that's really really powerful, and it is a hundred percent true. You, I think, as an individual, always kind of do your research around people and who you think is actually legit legitimate and who is going to be honest with you and who is actually going to help you rather than boosting their their own ego on social media there is a huge difference and I think this pushes us onto home training well then we'll talk about like what what training is first yeah so training is a process of adhering to a program essentially with an end goal and you're working towards that goal now you're looking for a psychological change and to progressively overload. So you can progressively overload in so many different ways. Physiological. Did I say physical? What did I say? Psychological. Oh, psychological. Sorry. Physiological. Physiological. <laughs> Getting my words confused. You can progressively overload in so many different ways. The most common way is by increasing the resistance. So increasing the weight you are lifting. Now, the process is designed to produce change. And this might be a marathon, this may be to build up to a max lift, for example, might be to build muscle or to prepare for some sort of competition, like a powerlifting competition. Now, the two processes are completely different. One requires a program and the other just requires a sweat towel and a podcast. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference basically between training and exercise one is very regimented one has a process one has an end goal um and that is the difference between exercise and training that we want to try and get across to people and this is why we're trying to push people more so to really get into training not just turning up because they feel like they have to i mean at the moment for me kind of i suppose we are in a strange kind of era during lockdown where I suppose training has become exercise because it's just become a part of our day that we get up and we'll train, uh, sorry, and we'll exercise rather than train because it's difficult to really progressively overload at home. Although you can stick to some kind of regime program, for me personally, I wouldn't class it as training. Yeah, I think it's very different depending on your own strength capabilities and what equipment you have at home. We've seen some people with full gyms in their garage and we don't have that. The heaviest weight we've got is a 36 kilogram kettlebell or Ben will squat me, which (laughs) isn't, I mean, not ridiculous what he's used to or I will try and hip thrust him. Again, half the weight we'd usually lift. And I personally, at the start, was obsessed with doing, not obsessed, that's a bad word, but really into, no, I I was obsessed, I'm not going to lie, the HIIT training and the home training because I was doing lives. And this was so detrimental because I was doing like two or three HIIT classes a day on my own strength training. And I think what people also fell into the trap was they did HIIT workouts just because they thought it was the only thing. They didn't realize they could go for a walk, they could go for a run, they could do a banded workout, they could just do a single kettlebell workout. It was very much so, okay, I hate HIIT workouts, but that's what everyone's doing, so I'm going to be a sheep, and I'm going to do them as well. And they're great, HIIT training's great, fantastic, but I think think definitely in moderation, HIIT training is good. Yeah, I've I've got nothing wrong with that, but... The thing I have a problem is with these shite hit workouts in your front room or your bedroom where you jump around like a brat doll on speed until you're either A, injured, I fuck it, I am all the time, or two, closing in on a heart attack because you're gasping for air with someone shouting at you, there's one more, and then you've got 45 more seconds whilst you suck up baby piss from your carpet in a 30 degree room. Like, it's just not beneficial for anyone yeah I think with this as well you have to find what works for you now me and Ben personally completely replicated 
what we would do in the gym at home so we continue to do push pull legs which is the training split we follow in the gym so we'd also follow it at home obviously it's a bit different because you don't have as much kit you can't really progress the overload but we found replicating what we'd usually do so beneficial and I do personally find home training pretty enjoyable because I I found my sessions enjoyable and I also started doing more CrossFit style wads to push myself out my comfort zone and really really challenge myself I enjoy a challenge I enjoy something that is hard hence why I did the Navy SEALs test but why we've been running a lot more because you have to find something that challenges you to keep you ticking over because I completely understand home training can get hella boring and I think it's difficult when you're training in your kitchen or your lounge where you'd usually watch television or you'd usually be cooking your dinner it's difficult to be in the same environment we're not saying it's easy we're saying you have to find something that's enjoyable and don't just do something for the sake of it don't be a sheep don't just do what your mates doing because they're, they're enjoying it and you hate it go and do what you enjoy go and do 100 max press-ups like me because I enjoy, I enjoy doing stuff like that go and do a 5k run go for a walk do some skipping do some hip thrust with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you have to find what you enjoy whilst you're at home or you're just not going to make it through (laughs) i think the thing is drawing on that again between the difference of exercise and training how many fucking calories do you burn in a weight session like i know when i do leg sessions sometimes i can burn 700 calories that's way more than you do in an hour on a treadmill so it's two bears one stone mate if you get into lifting it's going to benefit you a lot more in the long run anyway yeah no i agree massively and this actually puts us into puts us into (laughs) moves us on to I guess the mental side of training and how it actually makes us feel and the confidence and the self-confidence you get from training or working out and exercising obviously when you are training I know a lot of people know this but a hormone called serotonin is released people say it's your happy hormone it's the opposite to melatonin which is like the nighttime hormone when it's dark you feel you feel amazing, you feel good, you could be really stressed, you could be having a shit day, you go and do your workout, you pop your headphones in, you go for a run, I guarantee you will come back or finish your workout and you'll feel like a new person and I get this a lot, I'm quite an anxious person as you guys probably have heard and Ben's like come on let's just do a session, let's get it done, we'll enjoy it, we have a bit of a laugh oh my God, it changes who you are as a person after you've trained. And I say that to anyone. I I don't believe there's someone who couldn't do a session and wouldn't enjoy after, or how they feel after. Sometimes it is difficult to get yourself going for a session, but that's why I always say to people, how do you feel after? How does it make you feel? And that's why the most important part of health and fitness is the mental feeling, the mental side effects of that and how it boosts your endorphins, how you get that stress release when you form habits and start to become a part of you every day. Uh, and the sense of achievement that you get from it but again there's there's loads of good positives that come from health and fitness and there's a lot that you can learn from it and for some people their goals will be very different and that's why it's so diverse and why you can get why setting different types of goals is often more beneficial depending on the type of person that you are so for some people who struggle with self-control for some people it will be um the goal will be to say no more mm-hmm. for these people practicing self-control and saying no may help them lose weight yeah and that's what will make them happy but then for some people with food anxiety they may struggle with saying yes they feel bad for going out or having a piece of cake or something to eat and then they often feel bad about it Mm -hmm. some of these people often i know i've been there before often or even coaches themselves yeah and these are the people that you see a lot of people in the fitness industry who, or influencers or, yeah who, influencers. who you will not see but they also have a struggle and their struggle most of the time is saying yes so for these people saying yes more often it will sometimes help their long-term goals to have a better relationship with food to still look good but also have a better life and more balance because of it yeah massively it's it's one of those things where I, I guess 
coming back to our podcast last week, don't compare yourself to someone else's situation. Whoever it, it may be, it could be a coach, it could be an influencer, someone you aspire to be like. Not all goals are based on how you physically look. And a lot of them are based on the mental side, which is why I think looking after your physical health massively benefits your mental health. And I feel like this is a really common thing where people will kind of focus on one and not the other and I think it's important to definitely focus on both of them now sustainable results all being with the mental commitment and being yourself sustainable by this kind of reverts us back to the start of the podcast with what Gemma Collins was doing is not sustainable Mm -hmm. it's not helpful for your physical health it's not helpful for your mental health the, thing, the one thing before we close up this podcast out is I just want to ask you a question. Now, this is probably going to be more prevalent. Is that, the, is that the word I'm looking for? For when we get back to the gym or maybe drawing on past experiences. But how does it feel after smashing a new hip thrust? How does it feel hitting a new bench press PB? And how does it feel dropping a jean size? How does it feel seeing that little arm vein that you look at 10 million times and take photos of from every single angle and then send to your best friend i'm saying that because that's what lucy was doing the other day i had an arm vein like how does really it feel good sometimes i was literally so happy but i was happy go. there's there's a little wind that sometimes yeah. you don't set you've never set in your diary oh, i want this fucking right <laughs> arm vein but it's a nice little win along the way and it makes you feel good so i think it's important to realize that the process and there's a lot of different goals along the way but when maybe more so when gyms open try and realize and try and see the difference between just exercising and training and getting yourself into the program i.e the micro school because we'll be running a challenge when it reopens <laughs> but um hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the podcast i know we really enjoyed speaking about training because it obviously it is our forte it is it is our yeah it is we love training we love everything that we do sport fitness health exercise and as always if you did enjoy this podcast or any of the other episodes we really appreciate it when you share it on instagram and you tag us and you share it on facebook and if you could leave us a little review that would be very much appreciated indeed because we're trying to push up the charts for june and any reviews and any shares or tags on on instagram facebook and stuff are really really helpful to us and we really really appreciate it and we really appreciate all you guys who are tuning in um so please 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 leave a review if any of you guys are wondering where you can find out more about me and lucy or our coaching then you can go to www.mycoachschool.com or alternatively, you can drop us an email over at info at microschool.com if you would like to work one-to-one. One-on-one, with, baby. With me and Lucy. <laughs> um, and we'll get back to you and drop you some, some more information over about that. But apart from that, I think we are going to wrap up today's podcast. Yep. Have a wonderful day or evening or afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And we'll catch you in next week's episode. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.